Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel in Skinny Atlas, New York. If you'd like to find more like this, or you'd like to learn a little bit more about our church, you can do so by going to gconline.org. And now let's jump into this week's message. Yeah, you guys are jacked up today. I like it. Whoa, I mean, really, this is crazy. You know, I've been waiting for this week for a while. I've been waiting for this week for a while because it's just a very tangible way for us to reflect the love of Jesus to those around us. And I love that. It's what we were created for. And uh, so I want to just begin, though, with a couple things. I want to remind you that this event in itself takes about 100 volunteers to actually happen. There's people right now cooking food and getting things ready, and there's other people who were here at 8.30 setting things up. There's people at the end that are going to be taking things down and others that will be packing all the, the food and the supplies. And there's just, it takes a church to do something like this. And I'm just, I just want to say this. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for the way you have responded and being the church that God desires us to be. So let's, let's. The second thing I wanted to share with you is, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, probably uh, like a month and a half ago, we had a really hard push toward doing a, a community, a survey on community. Because what we wanted to find out is leadership here at Grace is how are we fostering a culture of community and what are the barriers in actually making that happen? Because like most churches, we don't struggle with people attending. We want, peop- we want more than attendance, though. We-, we want people to be known that we want people to be connected. We really want true biblical community to happen here. And so... What was amazing, I thought, well, if we get 100 of these back, this will be great. And then, I, you know, it was reaching like 125. I said, Lord, if we get 200, it'd be amazing. And it kept creeping up. I said, if we get 300, I mean, it would blow my mind. Because statistics tell you people don't do surveys. You guys filled out 368 surveys. And... um, And what it did is it, it really allowed us insight. And that's what we wanted. We can sit in a room and have all these, you know, brain ideas happening uh, with the leaders and, and be so far off. And we said, we need to hear from you. And so uh, what we did is the, the big takeaway out of this is people here at Grace said, we feel like we belong, but we also feel like we're not known. Interesting, right? So we're working, we have actually a whole team working on cultivating community here at Grace. And one of the ways that we will be doing that and are doing it already is through our community group structure. And we're going to be actually starting new community groups uh, this, this fall. So I'm excited about it because we're responding to what you said is a need to be known. And I, I believe that to be true. Well, today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture out of Luke chapter 10, very familiar to most people. It's the 
story of the Good Samaritan. I thought this is a great moment to just unpack this a little bit so that we can understand some of the dynamics that Jesus was teaching regarding loving your neighbor. And as we look at this, I, I start with Jesus at the very beginning. He says, you know, what are the two greatest commandments? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. Can we just be honest in this place? There are some people who are just hard to love. Amen? amen. Come on, if you're going to give a church amen, now's the time. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. you got to be real in here. Some people are hard to love, and you're like, no, I love everybody. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't even love the fact that I'm saying that. Now you're upset with me. See how this works? The reality is, within our culture, there are different factors that sometimes lead to these barriers that exist in loving our neighbor, loving those around us. One that gets me, there's several, one that I struggle with is I become numb to the white noise that is always talking about helping those who are in need. Every gas station, grocery store, do you want to round this up? Do you want to donate to that? And after a while, it's just like white noise. And at first, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's eight cents. But when it's 92 cents, I'm like, no. No. And I find that, you know, I don't know what these organizations are. I don't know how much they use on overhead. I don't know any of this. And I become numb to the white noise. The other one is I get jaded by those who use the system. I know people who have abused the, the opportunity to be loved and cared for. They, you know, you, you give them something, you, you sacrifice to help them, and they totally have used that moment for themselves in a wrong way. And so the next person that comes along that has a legitimate need, I look through that lens and I go, yeah, you're not going to use this for good. You're going to waste it on something that's wrong. You don't really need this. I had somebody once bring me a, a part to a heater and say, hey, my heater's broken down. My family, we don't have heat and all of this. And I said, oh, man, well, we don't want you to be without heat. So we bought the part for the heater and we did all of this. and only to find out there was no problem with their heater. It was just a story to get some money to go take, you know, use on other things. And so after a while, you get jaded. My heart gets like calloused, and I'm like looking through that lens when there's need and saying, I don't know who you really are. I don't know if I want to love you. And then there are those people, honestly, that I... I just personally don't like, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, it's true. I mean, we, we got to be honest with that. There's just people you don't like. And when they're struggling, I'm like, mm-hmm, serves you right. And God wants to move into these moments that are real with us and he wants us to learn how to overcome barriers to loving others. 
And so today we're going to look at that through the lens of the Good Samaritan. So I want you to look at this. We're going to read um, Luke chapter 10 and verses 25 through 37. And I want to remind you, this is not a real story. It's a story. It's not real. So don't get caught up in the details. Jesus is telling this to prove a point. So let's read through it. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says this. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Then this big question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Let me set the scene for you just a little bit so you understand the story. Jerusalem and Jericho are separated by about 15 miles. There's about 3,300 feet in drop of elevation when you're going from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a treacherous uh, journey because it was winding through some of the hills and the mountains, and oftentimes thieves and other uh, individuals that wanted to prey on travelers would find little places where they could hide and then um, rob or loot those who were on that journey. Interesting, there are two people that were usually left alone that robbers or thieves would not bother, and it was those who were religious. So if you were a priest, if you were a Levite, you didn't have to worry as much about, you know, someone taking advantage of you on that trip. You're kind of protected. The Samaritan, not so much. And so as we look at this, Jesus has three people that he points out. He points out the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. The priest, interestingly enough, is the most holy person that Jesus could have chosen, right? So he points out this incredible religious leader who taught the people, who offered sacrifices for people. If you were going to choose one person that would reflect the heart and the nature of God, the love of God. 
you would think it would be the priest, right? So he uses the priest to begin with. And I know some have dismissed the priest. They go, well, he's going to offer sacrifices. And according to Jewish custom, you could not be unclean for a period of time before you actually did that. So he couldn't touch a body like that. But just take a moment and read the passage. Understand that the priest was not going up to Jerusalem. He was coming down. He had finished all his ceremonies, all his priestly duties, and he's making his way back to Jericho. And as he's doing that, he notices this situation. Same with the Levite. The Levite assisted in some of the the temple uh, practices, and they were not the descendants of Aaron, so they weren't priests, but they were also involved in uh, assisting in these religious uh, duties And so we have two religious people, and then we have the Samaritan. The Samaritan was a product of interracial marriage. It's when the Jews and the Gentiles intermarried. Their children were of both races, and they were Samaritans. And those Samaritans were despised by the Jews, because they were impure. They they weren't pure Jewish people. That intermarrying, they felt defiled them, so they were scorned by them. They looked down at them. They mistreated them. They would even, they would not even walk through Samaria. They would go around Samaria because they did not want to go through Samaria because of the way they viewed the Samaritans. So with that being said, what can we learn? The first one, I'm going to give you three things. These are really good. So make sure you either take notes on them or or really capture them in your heart. The first one is this. Loving your neighbor requires, requires a heart of compassion. Loving your neighbor requires a heart of compassion. And this is what was amazing to me when I thought about this and I was reading down through this passage Compassion is not just awareness of a need. Because you had the priest, right, who was aware of the need, and you had the Levite who was aware of the need, and they passed by on the other side. Compassion's different. Literally, it means that you are moved in your inward parts, that there's this emotional movement of my being toward a need that I see that, listen, causes me to take action. I can't be content with seeing a need over here and then just going, hope it works out. But compassion moves us internally to action. Now, let me give you a couple examples. Jesus himself, uh, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14 couple places I want you to see. It says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Compassion moved him to act and heal their sick. Mark chapter 6, verse 34 says, and when Jesus stepped ashore and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So he saw him as sheep without a shepherd. And he says, no, no, I've got to step into this moment. 
and he began to teach them. And so every time we see Jesus demonstrate compassion, we also see it followed up with action. And here we see the Samaritan, it says that he had compassion on him. Now, let me just say this. In the story, the one that was wounded, that was beaten, was believed to be a Jew. So if there was anyone to have compassion, you would have thought the priest would have compassion on his own. The Levite would have compassion on his own. And the truth is, the Samaritan might actually just enjoy a moment of seeing those who despise him suffer. But that's not what you see here. You see this heart of compassion moved him to action. So it causes me pause. It causes me pause to ask this, do I have a heart of compassion toward those around me? Or have I become numb and busy, too busy to care about those in need? You know what I'm saying? I, I think sometimes what we try to do is we, we try to start with action. Like, I need to do something. No, God wants to transform something within you that will cause action. When God gives you a heart of compassion, you don't have to worry about, am I going to do something? You will, because compassion is not content standing at a distance. It's pretty powerful. Loving your neighbor requires a heart of compassion. The second thing is loving your neighbor requires personal involvement. There are several things I'm going to just kind of hit down through here that I see in the Good Samaritan as he engages this situation. And I think that it relates to us as people as well. Personal involvement. You ever wonder when you see a need, I wonder who's going to meet it? It always hits me even when we ask for volunteers. And, you know, uh, I've been in a place where, you know, someone has asked for volunteers and I was hearing them, them ask. And, and I, I think to myself, I, I wonder who's going to do that. I hope somebody, I hope somebody responds. Instead of going, oh, oh, here's an opportunity. They're calling my name. And here what we have is we, we learn from this good Samaritan that involvement required a lot of things that cost him something. The first one is this. Involvement, personal involvement in loving your neighbor is usually or often inconvenient. You ever find that? Somebody says, well, man, I, I'm just struggling. I need this help with this. And you're like, yeah, if I didn't have all the things going on in my life, I would be, I would be there for you, man. It's inconvenient. It's true. If we're going to love others, don't look and say, my schedule's full. I hope God provides me an opportunity with my one-hour window of rest. 
that I've got a clear space here, Lord. Let me love people. No. The Samaritan wasn't loving this Jewish person who was beaten because he had time, because it was convenient. It's because he had love toward him. He had compassion on him. The second thing is that it's not only inconvenient, it's usually uncomfortable. You ever, you ever think about what the Samaritan was thinking when he approached the Jewish guy? I mean, how's he going to respond to me? What's he going to think? Does he think that I've got somebody unclean tending to me? Somebody that I despise caring for me? All, all the things that must have been swirling through his head. And I think there are moments that also we get very uncomfortable loving those around us. I was just writing down a few. And I think there are racial, social, moral, political, and educational barriers that often make us feel uncomfortable. There, there are barriers that cause us to hesitate to love somebody. We go, I'm not sure. That part of the neighborhood, I'm not sure because you know they, they believe this. I'm not sure because they had this yard sign. Mm-hmm, now we're getting real. You know what I'm saying? They got that yard sign, and I don't like that. Mm, I was even thinking about taking it down, <laughs> maybe burning it or something. You know, and, and so we get, those are real barriers. And how are we going to navigate this? Because we're not going to eliminate that. There are differences. And compassion and love aren't about eliminating the differences. They're about overcoming them. There's a difference. There's a big difference. This, the third thing that I see here with the Good Samaritan's personal involvement is this. It was messy. It wasn't neat and clean. It meant getting dirty, caring for his wounds, bandaging him up. And I'm sure there was, there was dirt and blood and everything else involved. And sometimes loving people requires us to get a little messy. And also cost him something. It cost him time. It cost him comfort. It actually says that he placed him on his donkey and he walked. Isn't that cool? You're like, no, you're riding today. Well, it's probably because he couldn't walk. Um, it was that or drag him, and he probably figured put him on the donkey. Uh, so he puts him on the donkey, and he's willing to walk the rest of the way for help to express love to someone who despises him. And then it costs him resources. It says two denarii, which was two days wages. And then he said this, and if more is needed, I'm good for it. How many of us would take two days wages and go, yeah, take care of them. And if there's more, put it on my tab. We're getting a picture now of the fact that loving people requires personal involvement. 
it involves, it involves investment. It, those things are a part of truly loving like Jesus wants us to love. I think oftentimes what we hear in our Christian circles is come to Jesus and you'll get this, 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 and this. And what I see Jesus say is come to me and love people around you, serve people around you like I loved and served you. Now we're getting it right. And the cool thing is that it has a price, it has a cost, but it's worth it. You ever buy something, you go, what a waste of money. Actually, I'm thinking about it right now. It's a lot of things <laughs> come to mind. Um, but there are a few things that I buy that I go, it was worth every penny. What I want you to know is when we love people like Jesus loved us, the return, it's worth the cost. It's worth the cost. We look and go, man, there was nothing like the investment I made into loving them. It will be the stories you tell. It will be the memories that you have. They won't be about all the things that you enjoyed in life. It will be about the people you loved in life. It's true. Last thing, loving your neighbor is a reflection of how God loves us. I think the core of Jesus' teaching was not just to love those you like, but to love everyone as God has loved us. Did you know that he doesn't love you any more than he loves me? He doesn't love me any more than he loves you? Yeah, stop. It's, it's the truth. Yeah. That God loves us evenly, equally. You know, I think we struggle with that because as we look around, we love people sometimes differently, right? Almost like stages. And God says, I didn't love you because you're religious. I didn't love you because you were moral. I didn't love you because you were humble. I loved you because you needed my love. That I saw something in you, my image. I saw something in you, the person that I created you to be, that I know could never come out until I loved you. And I think what we have to remember is those realities when we're trying to love other people. And I'm just going to say a few things here. I want you to hear me. Because the Samaritans were despised by the Jews, but he stepped across that barrier to love someone who despised him. And sometimes we despise or are despised by people within our society and our culture as well. Those with different religious beliefs, Oh, they're this. Oh, they're a part of that denomination or that whatever. Or they're an atheist. Different political views, different sexual orientation, different moral standards. Hit a few nerves there, right? The truth is this, and I want you to hear this. It's going to be critical for the next just couple minutes. I don't need to agree with someone or like them or support their lifestyle or their point of view to love them. I don't need to do that. 
I can love somebody with all of these differences without saying, hey, right on, I support you. No, I don't. I don't support you. I don't agree with you, but I can still love you because God himself did not support us in our sin. He didn't support us in our pride. He didn't support us when we were self-absorbed, but he loved us. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he reached across all the barriers that were put in place to love us? We need to do the same because true love and compassion reach across these barriers. And oftentimes when we see people in those areas, we look and say, serves them right. Instead of behind all of the facade, behind all the differences is a soul, is a person that was created in the image of God, someone to value, someone to love, someone to care about, somebody to have compassion on. That's what he's called me to do. I think we must be careful that faith and religion don't build barriers determining who we love and who we don't. There are needs around us, listen, that we are either responding to or we, we are walking past. Bottom line, slow down, be aware, have compassion, love others like Jesus has loved you. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. So I'll give you a couple questions to take away. You ready? Do you have enough space on your note? pad because I'm sure you were taking notes the first one is this do you have compassion on those who are hurting around you don't think about the person next to you or behind or in front of you just ask yourself and this is not to be guilty to create guilt it's to create understanding because oftentimes my life is so busy I see something and I'm like I wish I had time when in that scenario does God prompt you, this is your time. I want you to take time. I want you to have compassion and love that person. Number two is where or how are you getting involved to love someone? If you had to point someplace in your life where you demonstrate love to those where barriers exist. Because listen, I can love my family. I can love my friends. I don't, that's not hard. That's not work. What I'm asking is this. How are you loving those where barriers exist? Because if the church is going to be effective and we're going to make a kingdom difference, we got to start loving people that are different than us. As Jesus has loved us. Last one is this, the greatest reflection of Jesus and the greatest fulfillment to us is when we love others as God has loved us. The greatest reflection of Jesus to this world will not be a message that I preach. It will not be something on a billboard. 
It's a person demonstrating love to someone that needs to experience what God, how God has loved us and how he wants to love them. We are his hands and his feet. We are the tangible expression of how love is given and how it's received. Being a believer in Jesus is less about religious practices and more about the transformation of our heart. Now, just sit on that a, a while. Like we said with love, don't try to just go serve someplace, although that's good and we want you to sign up. What we want more than anything is God begins to transform the very innermost part of who you are that will then cause you to act. Isn't that good? Not guilt. It's holy motivation. God, I want to reflect your heart to the world around me. Why? Because you loved me when I was far from you. You loved me when I was proud. You loved me when I was sinful. You loved me when I was down and out. You loved me. You met me there. God, help me meet others. Help me meet others. Father, this morning, would you just encourage us? Encourage us in this story. Who do we identify most with? The priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan? God, you told the lawyer this, this story so that he could see himself and he could understand, God, what you truly desire and what true love looks like. And so, God, may we love and show mercy to those around us as you have loved and shown mercy to us. We give you glory and praise for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.